on just that song. There's a beautiful story behind this song that many of you probably have heard time and time again. And I won't go into the lengthy uh, story, but give you an abbreviated version. Uh, Horatio Spafford uh, wrote the words to this, and he was actually out in the sea, and uh, he was traveling for work, and he had actually left his family back home uh, in Chicago, I believe it was, and word got to him as he was uh, leaving or heading back, I can't remember which one, but Nonetheless, word had came to him saying that uh, Chicago uh, was under fire and that he had lost everything, including his family. And as he thought of those words, he penned down these words, When peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like the sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. I like verse 3 and verse 4, and that's enough to make any good Baptist shout, amen. When he says, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. I don't know about you this morning, but despite the circumstances that may be in this world and in our life, I think I would have to agree with Horatio and say, even so, it is well with my soul. I think of the old Gaither song that says, even so, Lord Jesus come, even so. When Christians suffer... Sometimes it brings about great faith in our life and our trust in the Lord even more than perhaps we would have had we had no suffering. And this morning I want us to think about these sufferings as a Christian would suffer. And and we're going to take our passage this morning out of 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Suffering is an unpopular subject. You don't hear a lot of it being preached on in our pulpits across this nation anymore um, because we like to, I say we, uh, many like to proclaim a feel-good message. And while that is good to an extent, don't misunderstand me, it's good to have those uplifting messages and those encouraging uh, messages, but there are also times where we need to preach and teach on these unpopular subjects. These that get to the heart and the core of the matter. Uh, sure, salvation is, is more pleasant to talk about than suffering. Heaven is more uh, pleasant to talk about and to preach about than the unpleasantries of heartache and despair. But suffering is a very real part of life 
We all suffer. Every hospital uh, that we pass by has suffering in it. And it says that it is very real. Each night, I don't know uh, about here, but I know in uh, Little Rock where I used to live, Memphis, um, we hear every night sirens that go by every night. That says that there is suffering that is happening. Not only a physical where we may be hurt, whether it's bleeding or broke arm or whatever the case may be, that kind of suffering, but also the mental anguish that we have. We have all kinds of prevention organizations today, all kinds of help clinics, all kinds of things that one can do for for everything, for uh, those that are suffering from depression to those that have uh, drug and alcohol problems. There's all kinds of prevention programs. And dear friend, I can say to you this morning that Christians are no different That we all have trials. We all have sufferings. 1 Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse number 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning in verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even as a mischief maker. Yet if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear his name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, will it become what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those sufferings in accordance with God's will entrust their lives to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, God, that your grace is sufficient even in the times of our trials and our sufferings and our downsettings. Lord, we're thankful that you are, that your spirit is within our lives, that you live within our hearts, and God, that even in the tough times that we are able to persevere and to push through. And God, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts once again. Lord, help us to better equip ourselves that in times of suffering that we rely upon you, that we trust in you. That just as Horatio had said, when all else was coming against him, how he could exclaim, it is well with my soul. Lord, help us to rejoice in these trials and to count them as all joy. Father, if there's one that is listening, we pray for their salvation if they are lost. 
Lord, for those that may be backslidden, we pray for their repentance that they come back to you. And Lord, for whatever you do here this morning, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. When Christians suffer, notice in verse number 12 that it is not strange that Christians have trials. Beloved, do not be, uh, be surprised uh, at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening uh, to you. It's interesting that a lot of times people have in their minds that once they become a Christian, that everything is going to be all right, right? That everything is going to be okay, that that's the end of all troubles, that's the end of all trials. I'll never more suffer because I am born again. Some think that. But it's not an easy route that we are traveling on this, as the old uh, hymnal says, the highway to heaven. This is not an easy road that we must travel. It's very difficult. Uh, It's uh, a lot of things that, that come along this life. Christians have trials because we live in a very sinful world. And because of the sin that is in this world, we can expect that it's going to affect us in some shape, form, or fashion. We have a, or we are a part of a uh, fallen race and a world of <clears throat> that is full of wars and these rumors of wars that is coming and a world that is full of, of turmoils and, and, and earthquakes and tornadoes and uh, a sin that is, is a rampant and, and, and all of this that, that brings about uh, violence and, and greed in our society. Christians have trials because not only we live in a sinful world, but also simply because of the power uh, that Satan has. We have an adversary. Paul spoke of this to the uh, church at Ephesus where he was instructing them in chapter 6 that we have an adversary uh, with the devil and that he is uh, going to try his best to come at us and he's going to try uh, to attack us. And, and we know that he does this because we have seen his work before, right? If you remember Job... Job was a righteous man. Job was a man that was very godly. He kept the laws of God, as you'll find in the book of Job. But what happened to Job? Job had a lot of suffering. Job had a lot of things that came against him. He had lost his health. He lost his wealth. He was a wealthy man in that he owned all of this cattle, all of this livestock, these farms that he had. He had a large family, and he lost it all. Sufferings come even to Christians. So don't be surprised when the devil tries to to throw those fiery darts at us as Christians because that's what he does. Uh, He attacks us. We have trials because we are on this collision course with the world. Jesus talks about in John, the Gospel of John chapter 15, he talks about how he was despised and how he was rejected and if you remember that was even a prophecy that was told to us by isaiah 
uh, that he would be rejected among men, that he would be despised, that even his own would deny him. And it ultimately led him to the cross. His life was in direct opposition to the course that this world was taking. He was very much, by definition, a radical. Jesus came and he upset the whole system, right? The whole idea of religion, he upset it and he he literally turned it upside down. So we see that Christians will suffer throughout all the centuries of church history. You will find where Christians suffered. And even to this day, in some parts of the world, Christians still suffer. Secondly, not only do we have these, shouldn't think it's strange that we have um, these trials, but also that Christian trials are different. Christian trials are different. Look there at verse Uh, number 13 and verse uh, 14. The Bible says in uh, verse uh, number 13, But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when His glory is revealed. If you have reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. On you. Dear friend, we do not suffer alone. Isn't that great news? Uh, sometimes it feels like we're in this world all by ourselves that no one else could possibly identify with the problems that I have, with the sufferings that I'm having, with the trials uh, that I am having. No one could see that. But our Lord does. Our Lord knows what it's like to be rejected. Our Lord knows what it's like to be hated, to be despised, to be mocked at, to be made fun of, to be spat upon, to be cursed at. He knows what it's like to have all of those things. And most Christians do as well. Other Christians stand with uh, him in, in this suffering. And, and as we do, he is uh, has his day of glory that is ahead that uh, Peter talks about here. And, and what a day uh, that will surely be. I think of what Paul said in the book of Romans, uh, chapter number 8. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. I thought that's a great verse and that's something that surely uh, stands with us uh, today that all the sufferings of today, all the sufferings that are going on in our nation and our world today, they're not worth comparing. They're not worth our time comparing to the glory that is about to be revealed. He can find joy even in jeopardy. A Christian can. He can rejoice even in these reproaches that come. Even in the darkest of hours. How that Christ is walking with him. Christ is always there. In a when I pastored a church down in Mississippi, there was they had a, a pastorum that was just down the street from the church and. Um, it was actually down a hill. The church was on a hill, and the pastorum was kind of down uh, this way. And, and it's kind of out in the country a little bit, and so there was a lot of woods and uh, all around the, 
the church as well as the, the parsonage. And, and ever so often, if you'll remember, it hadn't been that long ago, so I know everyone in this building has seen them and know what I'm talking about. The street lamps used to be actual bulbs, right? It wasn't the LED. Uh, they had actually come out and changed the bulb in these. Well, that's what these were. And every so often, that thing would blow out or, or you know, go out. And you want to talk about a dark hill? You want to talk about a dark place? As, as lovely as the sanctuary is uh, this morning, you turn these lights out and come up here about 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night and see how dark <laughs> this place is. Uh, even the hallway here, as I walked through just a moment ago, I had to pull the light on my phone out because it's so dark. And I think about that, I don't do dark very well. It's not the dark that I'm afraid of, it's what's in the dark that I'm afraid of. Um, so I have, you know, the little uh, plug-in lights throughout the house, all those things. I have those because I don't do dark very well. And I'm thankful that even in our darkest hours of life, the light of Christ is there. He is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But he also warns us and he says that they hated me. So you can better expect that they're going to hate you as well. The Christian trials are different. Verses 15 through verse 19. We find where sometimes Christians bring suffering upon themselves they bring suffering upon themselves notice uh, what he says here in verse uh, 15 it says but let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief a criminal or even as a mischief maker yet even or yet if any of the sufferers as a christian do not consider it a disgrace but glorify god because you bear his name for the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for a righteous to be saved, what will become for the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust their lives to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. What is he saying here? If you wanted to turn over to 1 John chapter 3, you could find this in verse 15. That let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or a criminal. Uh, this translation uh, says, those people bring suffering upon themselves. For we know if we mess up, what happens? There is a penalty for that, right? That's why we have laws in our society. Uh, because when we break those laws, then there are penalties uh, in accordance to the laws that were uh, broken. And God works the same way. God has his law. And if we break those laws, then there will be penalties for that. And so he is saying here that there are oftentimes when Christians do things... And they bring these sufferings upon themselves. A busybody. We know those people, right? Those people who uh, are, are those that, that will literally murder somebody's reputation. 
Uh, they'll maybe spread some things that maybe is untrue. Uh, they, they find some kind of something to, to maybe exaggerate what is being done or said or whatever the case may be. And they're just always looking for these things and, and they will try their hardest to turn others against that person as well. Some think that they are looked down upon for their testimony when it is really only for their meanness. Don't invite this suffering because of hypocrisy in your life. So many times the people will talk about someone's life and and how or even if they'll even question sometimes whether they've been born again, whether they've been saved because of their past life, because of sins that they have committed in their past life. I like what Billy Graham had said one time, and I'm sure I'll butcher this uh, to no end, but um, I think I had shared this with you before back when a lot of the big names in televangelism, um, TV preachers was coming out and and there was a couple that had really uh, developed some mass followings. And and one of those is a uh, preacher who we all know, uh, Jimmy Swaggart. Now, some people don't like Jimmy Swaggart, and that's okay. Um, I think he was a good preacher. I haven't heard him recently, but I've heard him in his older days, uh, the early days of his ministry. And and uh, I wished I could play the piano like uh, Jimmy Swaggart. You know, I think he had a good ministry. Like any other man, sin came, right? And because of that, there was, at the same time, by the way, Billy Graham was kind of coming up in the ranks at the same kind of time frame. Anyway, these people were flocking to Billy Graham. And, of course, you know, our wonderful friends in the news media came at Billy Graham and said something along the lines, how do you feel knowing that you're getting all the people that used to follow Swaggered? And his response was, and I believe it should be what every Christian should say, I take no joy in what has happened to Jimmy Swaggart. He has repented and it's time to move on. That's the way we need to be. When somebody falls, even a Christian, when they fall, we are to embrace them, love them, pray for them, and encourage them. And as they repent, we are to what? Move on. There's no need in continuously bringing those things of the past. That's what the devil does. And that's what he feeds upon to bring up those past. But I'm thankful just as Horatio wrote in this song, all of my sins, not in part, but the whole, have been wiped away. And they are to be remembered no more. They are cast as far as the east is from the west. Sometimes Christians engage in these habits or practices that bring this suffering. Sometimes Christians suffer because of backslidden and reluctant um, chastening. But nonetheless, I'm thankful that God is a forgiving God. And that even in our downness, in our times of despair, our times of suffering, whether we brought it on ourselves or whether it's just the, the fiery darts of the devil, 
that Christ is always there. And he's always saying, come to me, all that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. So dear friend, this morning I ask you, are you willing to suffer as a Christian? Are you willing to lay down your life just as those in early days would lay down their life for the sake of Christ and the sake of the gospel and proclaiming the gospel? Are we willing to suffer as a Christian? Are we willing to take the suffering now knowing that there will be glory later? Can I encourage you to make necessary changes in your life to avoid bringing suffering upon yourself? I think it's pretty known, um, maybe not to everyone, but to a few of us here. uh, uh, The last few weeks in my life has been rather dramatic, all right? Uh, It seems that if one thing goes wrong and I get it fixed, 10,000 other things will go wrong. And it's just been a an avalanche of things coming at me. And, and I'm not going to say who said it, but I will say this. Somebody has said, maybe you're praying to the wrong person. And, you know, sometimes I wonder myself, I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, uh, how much more are we going to have to deal with here um, to, to before we can start feeling better about ourselves, right? Uh, because it just seems like there's so much things. And then oftentimes in those times of suffering, we look at our life and be like, okay, did I enable this to happen? Did I make this happen? You know, my whole battery situation uh, on a vehicle that I have that I don't know if everybody, it, it literally almost exploded on me going down the highway. I knew that battery was bad a year ago. Did I do anything about it? Apparently not, right? Until it was spewing out acid everywhere and smoke coming out from under the hood. Then I did. Sometimes we bring those things on ourselves. Are we willing to make those changes in our life to avoid that suffering? To avoid those trials? That is a question only you can answer this morning. And perhaps this morning you're suffering. And maybe it's not a... A physical suffering that one can see. Maybe it's not a physical ailment, a sickness that you're suffering from. But maybe it's just something in your life that is not where it needs to be. Maybe we're not as close to God. Maybe we're not walking with Him daily like we should. Maybe maybe our prayer life is not where it needs to be. Maybe our Bible reading and studying is not where it needs to be. And I encourage you to bring those up to par. To hand those troubles, those sufferings, those trials. Lay them at the feet of Calvary. And let Christ take control of that. He's always with us. Even in the darkest of days. Amen. We'll extend a hymn of invitation. This will be your opportunity to do business with God. Maybe it's salvation this morning, maybe rededication, maybe simply just to pray uh, for whatever the circumstances um, you're facing in life. And maybe it's simply to pray for someone else that you know is suffering. Maybe they are being convicted. Maybe you know they are suffering per se in this world because they are running from God. Would you lift them up today?
So oftentimes we think an invitation is a time to pray for ourselves, and well, it is, but it's also a time for us to lift others up to Him. So I encourage you to do that as we sing.